2020 Broncos are together for the first time starting today with the off-season program. And Mason and I are here to talk about the Denver Broncos. And before we do that, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. Because over at MSU Denver Online, they have two things that go together so well. Getting an education and continuing to earn your degree and and continue to to work and earn money. Those things are things that you don't want to put one on pause. You don't want to have to put your education on pause in order to to make money. And you don't want to have to do the vice versa. Do those both over at MSU Denver Online. And they have mastered the art of online learning because they went to online learning before the pandemic forced everyone to go over to online learning. So make sure to check them out. Whether you want to take a class, one of their 750 classes, or whether you want to get an entire program, you can do that over at MSU Denver Online. My boy, Mace, what's going on? You're a lot more excited than I am. (laughs) I mean, it's I guess it's, you know, you've seen one off-season start, you've seen them all. It's not like they're going to be doing anything... uh, team on team for another few weeks here that'll 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 get my blood pumping a little bit when we actually start seeing them on the field uh actually going 11 on 11 7 on 7 today yeah hey they're 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 start they're they're they are on, they're taking the first step on, in a very small step on what is hopefully a very long road this is different though than last year because last year they didn't take the small step they said we're not going to go to the office and i Broncos didn't necessarily like it, but the players did not show up for this first month of the offseason program. They waited until OTAs and that on-field stuff started to show up with Nathaniel Hackett, with Russell Wilson in town. We're seeing players show up. Yeah, that was that was more of a league-wide thing, though, just kind of the climate that was existing then. Now we're There were some teams that yeah, did show yeah, up, though. Some teams, but not many. This is this is now this is the first normal off season. I guess if you're excited about anything, it's that you have the first normal off season since 2019. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's absolutely, been, it's been a it's it's been a while. I mean, last year we were talking about concerns about you know about COVID protocols, about vaccinations, uh, this that and the other. The year before there wasn't an off season. It's at least I mean. It's another step back toward normalcy. Is if, what it is. If Vic Fangio and Teddy Bridgewater were the quarter, were the head coach and quarterback of, of this team right now, do you think there would be an offseason program right now? Do you think everyone would be showing up today? Well, there couldn't be because you wouldn't have a new coach. Okay, next starting mm. next week. Yeah. Uh, start starting on time. I think you would have much better attendance than last year. Yes. I don't think so. I think they mm. still would have sat out. I think this is a huge culture change, and people saying, oh, man, there's a new boss in town. Not only do I have to appeal to my coach, but i got to appeal to Russell Wilson. I'm going to show up, and from what we've seen so far, the little bit we've seen, 
there is some good attendance there. Justin Simmons, one of the guys who who was kind of pushing back against having an offseason program mm-hmm. last year for COVID and, and other reasons as well. He was there today. He showed up, and, and that's a big sign. Not surprised, though. Well, not surprised, but the thing is also the by a lot of guys not showing up ended up getting the results they wanted. So I, I think, I mean, I think it's just it. I think putting it on the quarterback and the head coach here. I think that's kind of forgetting about all the stuff that was in place last year. Now, what I think would be a difference this year is even when guys reported last year, you still had your Melvin Gordons and your Kyle Fullers who were, you know, not always showing up. That, I think, obviously they're not here, but that sort of thing is the difference. I don't think you're going to get guys who are saying, I'm going to do my own thing. That's the change that comes more, with all respect to Nathaniel Hackett, that comes from Russell Wilson. Well, and we know that Melvin Gordon, he's not signed on a team yet, but he has never been an off-season workout guy. When he was with the Chargers, even before COVID, uh, when he was with the Broncos, he, he was not a uh, an off-season guy, didn't show up. The funny thing is, he here he is still an effective running back after seven years, the point at which a lot of running backs have gone by the wayside. I'm not sure he has the wrong philosophy here, at least for individual sustained play. Yeah. For a running back. Yeah. I think it's it's funny to think about. It's funny to think about that. And he got a lot of critique he's gotten a lot of critiques here and elsewhere because of that. But yet we look at, you know, just start going down the, the list of running backs who only last three, four, five years. Melvin Gordon's about to go into his eighth season. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's on to something. Yeah, he he could be. And one of the guys that was there today in a picture the Broncos tweeted out standing next to Russell Wilson walking into the building, Bradley Chubb. And this is a huge year for Bradley Chubb, kicking off its fifth season in the NFL for the former fifth overall pick. This is a massive season for him because Macy's playing on the fifth-year contract or option this year, which is going to pay him a hefty amount of money, over $10 million. And then after, he's a free agent. The Broncos could franchise tag him if they want to. They could sign him to an extension. They could trade him midway through this season. Or they could just let him walk after this season and get a compensatory pick. It's kind of hard to imagine uh, a scenario where Bradley Chubb just walks as a free agent after this season. So what does he have to do this year to get a contract extension from the Broncos before he hits the open market? He's got to play at least 15 games, I think. Mm, that's kind of a hard, high bar. 15 out of 17. Saying he's going to miss a couple, and maybe and maybe you lower that a little bit if you've got a week, if you've got a week 18 game where for whatever reason you've clinched the division and you're arresting him sure. for the playoffs. Sure. But but in terms of health, this he needs is, to be this healthy. Is, for this is about availability for him. This this is what this is this is what it's all about. It is, his look, if he plays well, he's going to. If he plays well, he and he stays healthy, it's going to take care of itself. I don't think he's going to have a season where he plays 14, 15 games if he gets to that point and he's ineffective. Mm. If he plays that much, he's probably very effective, mm. and that's why I think this is going to be more based on how much he plays because if he does well and he gets hurt after six games and that's it they're not bringing him back Mm, so this is an availability thing for Bradley Chubb so two things that you said he has to play around 15 games 
He's only done that once yep. in, in his four years with the Broncos. And that was his rookie year when he played all 16 games and, of course, had the best season of his career up to this point. Looked like he was a, a smash hit with that top five overall pick. Looked fantastic. Then the next year, he plays only four games, the first four games before tearing his ACL. The next year he comes back, only plays 14 games and is a pro bowler, but still misses two games. And then last year, of course, we know with those bone spurs, he missed he missed uh, 11 or 9 games, played in 7 games. So he's only hit that number once in his career. Uh, and that is a big issue. That's Bradley Chubb's biggest issue, like you said, is availability. Mm -hmm. Because when he's played a full season... 12 and a half sack or 12 sacks almost hit the rookie record for for sacks in a season and looked fantastic. Since then, mm. 2 years ago was a good season. I don't really think it was a pro bowl season, but he did get that nod uh with the seven and a half sacks. Malik Reed had more sacks. He did. That was the the interesting thing about that. He since the start of the 2019 season, so I'm going to give him credit for those 4 games at the start of the year, but since the start of 2019, he's played 25 games, he's missed 24. And then if you say, okay, well, he had the injury there in week four, then you that goes down to uh, ha having played in twenty one of a possible uh, of a possible forty five games. Mm, played yeah. twenty one, missed twenty four. That's it's, that, and that's and that's the thing. He ha he has to change that. You are injury prone until you prove that you're not. And it's not a question of whether. He's good enough to play in this league. I mean, last year he struggled with the bone spurs. He didn't have he didn't have a sack. But when he's healthy, not he's not Von Miller. He's not an elite edge rusher. He's a good edge rusher. And as we've seen, even good edge rushers are going to get paid in this market. I mean, look at the contract the Broncos just gave Randy Gregory, and there's a guy who also who's never who's, who's missed more games than he's played for various reasons over the course of the last seven seasons. Mm -hmm. And we know multiple yeah. teams are going to give Randy Gregory right. that contract. Right. So it's it's almost like quarterback in that you're going to have to pay a lot even though you have question marks. The question is then, if let's say Chubb plays 10 games, has six sacks. Do the Broncos say, oh, that's enough to bring him back? Or... With Randy Gregory on the other side, do they say, all right, we need to go shopping for somebody who has a little less question about his availability? And to me, what the Broncos just did with Randy Gregory says they'd be okay with bringing Bradley Chubb back because Bradley mm -hmm. Chubb then would profile nearly to exactly Randy Gregory. What is Randy Gregory? He's extremely talented. He should have been a top five, top ten pick in the draft based off his talent just like Bradley Chubb was. So both extremely talented guys, both still fairly young guys, both in their 20s still, with some so a, a lot of time left to play, both guys that have suffered injuries. And then you could even convince yourself that Bradley Chubb has more of an upside because he's more proven as an upside because he does have a 10-sack season when he got 12 sacks. Randy Gregory does not have a 10-sack season. So to me, the Broncos at edge, they're not looking for availability. You know who's available is a guy named Malik Reed. They don't even want to pay him four million dollars on a on a fourth uh, on a second year or a, a second round tender to make sure he's back. They they want to kind of take the gamble and, and and swing for the fences. So I think that they would be okay with bringing Bradley Chubb back with what they just did with Gregory. They also really like Jonathan Cooper too. 
Mm-hmm. And I think and I think Cooper is a bigger reason why you're talking about them not giving Malik Reed much in terms of the RFA tender than anything else. How much can they like him though when they're trying? Um, uh, why can't I think of it? Baron Browning on the outside. If they loved him and they had a great well, backup they liked outside him. linebacker, yeah, they like him. Okay, yeah, yeah. If they, yeah. If, but I mean, so you if want they you like want him, you want two guys, and Baron Browning probably says something about how they feel about about Malik Reed. And with with Malik Reed, you've had you know you've had him for three years. Now the thing that could change obviously is you have a new coaching staff and maybe Malik Reed impre- starting from zero impresses a new coaching staff. I don't know if that's likely given given how they feel about Cooper and how and, and experimenting with Baron Browning on the edge. So I I don't know. Do you, I just think that the Broncos are going to want to have two big pieces on the edge in terms of investment, whether that's through the draft, whether that's through free agency. I think they do as well, but here's the thing. If 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 Chubb doesn't play a lot of games this year, then I think they're I, I think they're gonna look at this and say, This just isn't working. Right. And that that's fair. Now what do you think if that happens? Let's play let's say he's scheduled to play about ten games uh throughout the season, midway through the season. He's missed five already and, and he's seemingly getting a little mm-hmm. healthy. And he's projecting for what you said, ten games six sacks do you think they try to trade him midway through the season do you think they just let him walk and and become a free agent without getting anything back but maybe a third fourth fifth round compensatory pick i can't see them trading him unless i can't see them trading him unless the offer's too good to refuse like if it's a second round pick and that's and that and that's the thing you're looking at. What is it more than you would get from a compensatory? So that right. would bring even a third round pick into play. But the thing is, that compensatory pick wouldn't be until 2024. And on and so that's and if you kept him, and I think a third round pick in 23 would probably have more value to them. The, the, the only thing is, if they do that, then it means that they've got a lot of faith in Brown and Cooper or or anybody they would add in the draft, and we'll get to that later on in the podcast. Um, that's that's the scenario that could spur it. Kind of like when the Rams traded Kenny Young to the Broncos. They had somebody waiting in the wings waiting to take the job. Mm-hmm. And they even though they were a Super Bowl contender, they could part with him. That's the only scenario where I could see Chubb being traded is if there was somebody that they trusted and was ready to go. And if they don't have that, then they'll stand pat and they'll take the pick in 2020, in 2024, the compensatory pick, and let him go in free agency. And on top of that, Mace, to add to mm-hmm. your point, uh, if Bradley Chubb becomes worth a second-round pick midway through this season, it's probably because he's playing really well and, mm-hmm. and he's healthy enough. And then that's when the Broncos say, wait, wait, wait. We can't replace this guy with a second-round pick. We need to sign him up to a big-time deal. And let's talk about what those deals could look like. But first, there is no better place to be this week and this month and next month than the DNVR bar because it is Nuggets playoffs. It is Avs playoffs this Saturday night, 6.30 p.m. DNVR is the place to be to watch the Nuggets start their series against the Golden State Warriors. I got to tell you guys, there is no better place to be than DNVR bar. I mean, it is so fun. 
fun. It's packed shoulder to shoulder. There's Breckenridge beers everywhere, and it is such a fun environment. So if you want a place to watch the game, come down to the DNVR bar. We also have Avs regular season still going. They play on Wednesday this week. Come down for that. It's it's heating up to the playoffs, and it is so much fun. And of course, join us online on thednvr.com. Become part of our family. When you sign up for an annual membership, you get a free shirt of your choice. We got some cool Broncos ones there. Just launched two new Rocky shirts, so make sure to check out everything we've got going on over at thednvr.com. And when you do, drop in the comment section on the pod and leave us a comment and say hello. Yes, leave us a comment. That's one of the bonuses you get from being a DMVR member. Also, another bonus if you're a DMVR member is that you get a big beer for the price of a small beer, and that brings us to Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer at DMVR, because you can get more Breck beer for your money when you're a DMVR member. But you don't just have to come on down to the DMVR bar and get those Breckenridge brews. You can also, I was looking at the wrong camera there, sorry, you can also go find where to get those Breck brews around the country on the Breck Beer Locator. You're probably not too far from someplace that's got some of those Breck brews, no matter where you are in the lower 48, even Alaska, Hawaii, you're going to find some places probably near to you that have those delicious Breck brews. So whether you're in California or Maine or Minnesota or Texas, you're watching us from wherever in the USA, you want to have a little bit of Colorado, a little taste of that where you are, then go on the Breck Beer Locator, find out where to get those Breck brews and take advantage of of having that and having their distribution network allow a taste of Colorado to arrive to you. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DMVR. If you want to help your body, check out our friends over at Athletic Greens because Athletic Greens, it's one scoop that you take in the morning with cold water and it packs a punch. What you get is you get 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This helps with gut health. It helps with getting you greens. It helps in everything every way. I've been taking this for over a month now and it makes me feel so good. No better way to start your day than with Athletic Greens. And it's cheaper than your cup of coffee. There's no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. And it still tastes good. Got a little lemon taste to it when I drink it. Uh, And it's less than one gram of sugar as well. So it's fit for a very healthy lifestyle. Like I said, it is affordable. And there's over 7,000 five-star reviews so people across the country love it and when you go to athletic greens go to athleticgreens.com slash broncos and that will get you this deal you'll get one free year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase so that's d that's athleticgreens.com slash broncos you'll get one free year of immune supporting vitamin d and free five free travel packs all right mace let's talk about what bradley chubb's deal could be because we saw it with our own eyes this offseason while looking at what edge rushers could get we saw just how crazy contracts can be in the NFL for pass rushers Vaughn getting uh, a, a massive 20 million dollar per year deal the Broncos paying a guy who's never had 10 sacks 14 million dollars a season Hassan Reddick's getting even more than that after just an 11 sack season so Vaughn or, or Bradley Chubb's sticking around Let's say he gets 10 sacks. That's the second most he's had in his career. I think with 10 sacks, he's he's definitely sticking around. How many games did he play? Let's say, uh, I'm going to make this tough on you, 14. 14 and 10. Franchise tag. Oh, okay. Buy, Even- buy yourself a year. Mm, and what are we talking about price for that? Because it would be the top five highest paid guys averaged out. Is that right? Yes. 
So that would be pretty big for him. And what, they'd be doing the outside linebacker position technically? It would, is it outside? Yeah, because they don't consider, um, they don't consider eggs rusher. Right. I think they break it down even more. Yeah. So, so the franchise tag in 2023, my guess is it's well over 20 million. Okay. So you'd have what? You'd have TJ Watt, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, Joey Bosa. Yep. Uh, Miles Garrett. He's, he's an outside linebacker, right? I on or he, are they calling him a defensive? Think end? he's an end. All right, let's just rule him out then. Khalil so, Mack. Khalil Mack. Max Crosby's an end. Vaughn Miller being an outside linebacker. Yep. And then uh, would then you're coming up on the next one would be seventeen five. So it'd be yep. twenty eight twenty seven. That's fifty. That's fifty five. <laughs> uh, it's always great podcasting here when we do math. <laughs> Khalil Mack uh, seventy eight point five. That's total. Then Vaughn Miller ninety eight point five. And then another 17.5 for the fifth edge rusher. So that brings us to $116 million. And so you divide that by five. You are talk you are talking about 23.2 Come on, million give me a break. dollars. You nailed it, Mace. <laughs> a year. <laughs> yes, that's what you're talking about. But it's one year. It is one year. That's and that's the and, and that is and that is the key thing Ooh. now. Bradley should and is that is that a lot? It is, but then it allow it allows you to say, okay, let's see if this is for real here. Mm-hmm. Let's find. And also, the other thing is does is it buys you time. It buys you time if he has that kind of year to find out if if he's free. But also, don't forget, you've got a first round pick again in twenty twenty four, and so yeah. you ride with Chubb for one more year, and then if he doesn't stay healthy. Or if he does, but his production is roughly the same, 10 sacks, 14 games, you're going to probably have a late first-round pick in 2024, but that is still at a point where you can expect to find a capable edge rusher. Mm-hmm. Or you're think back to uh, the 2015 draft. And I know this guy didn't work out in the end, but you were a reasonable trade to get Shane Ray. Mm-hmm. So that's And so that, I think, is something that you look at. And I know twenty three point two million dollars on a franchise tag is probably is like whoa whoa right. But if you you're looking at uh, you're look you're looking around and also again you're not talking about a three or four year deal you're talking about a one year commitment. It mm-hmm. gives you a little more flex flexibility there because someone who's had the injuries that Bradley Chubb has had year eight year nine year ten might not be something that you want to pay for. Mm-hmm. But you'd be willing to pay for year six. Right. And if you really want to push it, you can franchise him again and pay for him in year seven. Right. And that would be over $25 million at right. that point. And Mace, I do like what you're saying a lot about the flexibility because mm-hmm. Bradley Chubb is, is a guy that has to scare everyone in terms of his availability. Mm-hmm. He's only played a full season once, like we talked about. He's missed more than half the season and half of his career. That is something that is scary. It's nothing and, personal. And it, it's nothing personal. And you're naive, honestly, if, if you think, okay, we're going to sign him mm-hmm. to a big deal and he's going to play every single game. And that's not going to be Bradley's choice. It's not like he's going to back out 
on it. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's just something where you would be kind of lying to yourself. You'd be fooling yourself. So you kind of have that to mix that into the equation. But if he gets 10 sacks and plays in 14 games, what I'm trying to do if I'm the Broncos is I'm trying to give him the Hassan Reddick contract that we saw. And Hassan Reddick and Bradley Chubb would be very similar players in terms of production uh, in their career. Hassan Reddick has played in one more year than Bradley Chubb. He has uh, two seasons of more than 10 sacks, 12 and a half and 11. Now, those were the past two years. Uh, so Hassan has a little more leverage saying, look, I'm still I'm still getting to my prime here. Bradley Chubb, as we know, rookie year, 12 sacks. Then this, this coming year, if he were to get 10 sacks, would be very similar to Hassan Reddick and Hassan Reddick's deal that he got he he averages 15 million dollars a year now it was a three-year 45 million dollar deal with 30 million guaranteed at signing that's what I'm trying to do there bring Chubb's value down to 15 million give him the guarantees for two or two and a half years you're probably signing Chubb up to probably a four-year extension and the reason he may take this is one you're giving him market value. Now, maybe at this point next year, it's 16 or 16 and a half because just it's another year, more money. Uh, and, and so you're looking at 16 and a half for Chubb. And that way, you're talking about him being still $10 million less than the elite pass rushers. And you're kind of banking on him missing a couple of games with a contract like that. The only thing with Reddick is because he had a position shift from inside to edge and he doesn't have the injury history. I think it's a little bit of an apples and oranges thing. Now, a comp that I, I would go with, he doesn't have the same injury history, but he's a little less productive, is Leonard Floyd. Okay. Okay? He had no—he actually had no double-digit sack seasons in Chicago, but he was fairly healthy. The last two years in, with the Bears, he played all 16, 16 games. And then the Rams—and this was in 2020— they signed him to a four-year, $64 million deal, mm -hmm. $16 million per. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be 2023 when you're talking about Bradley Chubb. And so that $16 million deal might be $20 million a year if Chubb, is if Chubb has the kind of season that you suggest. Double-digit sacks, 14 games played. And that's where, all right, Let's say Chubb says, I want, I, I want four years, $84 million, so $21 million a year, and, and I want 58 of that guaranteed. Or you could franchise him one year, 23.2, and, and wait and see. Well, in, in that That's, in that case, I, I agree with yeah. you. I just don't think at 10 sacks, Bradley Chubb's going to be able to, to have the power to say, I want $21 million a season. Now, it's not crazy to be talking about $21 million mm -hmm. for Bradley Chubb. Mm -hmm. Let's say he comes out and doesn't just have 10 sacks. Let's say he comes out and has 16, 17 sacks this year and is absolutely one of the best passers. If he had 16 sacks last year, he would have been third, tied with Miles Garrett mm -hmm. for the third most sacks in the NFL, only behind Robert Quinn at 18 and a half, and of course TJ Watt, who's just incredible mm -hmm. at 22 and a half. So Bradley Chubb shows this year that, and obviously if he's getting 16, 16 sacks, let's play, let's say he plays mm -hmm. in, you know, 16 out of the 17 games or something like yeah. that. He shows he's elite 
Then we're not talking 15 million. He's if, laughing at that. He's laughing at 21 million. He's 25 million a year. He's 25 million a year plus. And that's not crazy to say because you have three edge rushers and Bradley Chubb's going to try to include himself in the edge mm-hmm. position with Miles Garrett making a flat 25 million. Mm-hmm. Joey Bosa making 27 million and TJ Watt making 28 million. And on top of that, None of those contracts were signed this offseason. Those were all deals that were signed within the past year or so. There's a bump. So there's a bump. If Bradley Chubb gets 16 sacks, he could be trying to reset the market, going above T.J. Watt. And, of course, you want Bradley Chubb to explode this year. You want to be paying him big money. But with Bradley Chubb's history that we've talked about, about not being healthy— that's a little scary of a situation. So you're not rooting for him to not do well, of course, but that's when it comes down to— Holy cow, are you going to sign him to a five-year deal for $30 million a year and you're guaranteeing $100 million or 90 or $80 million? Tag and trade. Oh. That's what I'm doing. Ooh. Tag, tag and trade. Try to get back a one. When the value's high. You're yes. selling when it's selling high. Selling high. Mm. And that and and that you're just kind of making a, what I, I would say is probably a rational cap play here. That yeah. you're selling high, you're getting back draft capital, and you're probably taking said draft capital, and you're getting your and you're getting your replacement edge right there. And I think if he had that kind of year, let me make it clear: I don't think he's going to have 16 sacks. I don't think he's going to be a sack a game guy. It's fair, it's fair. Because when he came closest to a sack a game pace, he had Von Miller, who was still Von Miller, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Randy Gregory is is not Von Miller. And I don't know if Bradley Chubb is an alpha who's going to get 16 sacks. If he does, phenomenal. It's a good problem to have. But you've got other things to other things to consider here in terms of overall roster building. And then the injury history, it's still in your mind there. Mm-hmm. And again, that's why I said, like, based on the injuries that he's had, I'm a little concerned about what years, what years 8, 9, and 10 are look like and believe it or not i mean you know time flies we're here in year five if you tag him for 2023 it's year it's year six and any long-term contract that you give is going to is going to probably get you to year eight year nine right so i i would be more content to let if some if, if there's a demand for him if you do a tag and trade if he has that kind of year let someone else assume that risk and then go back into a draft pool with a cross-controlled take-a-drink edge rusher. Close, uh, Crazy enough, I, I would be okay with that. I yeah. see the value there. But, Mesa, it doesn't seem like you would sign Bradley Chubb to a long-term deal no matter what after this year. Is there any situation in which you would? Long-term? Yeah. <sighs> Probably not. Okay. I, it's I, fair. He's got to prove it to it, you. It's, it's, it's the injury history. Yeah. It's... It's trying. It's trying to look on the on the horizon here. I mean, and, and we see this kind of thing in in baseball a lot. Like uh, the whole Freddie Freeman thing with the Atlanta Braves. It wasn't about whether his val- he was going to have value in his age thirty two, thirty three, thirty four year. The concern was, okay, if he wants this sixty year deal, what does age thirty five, thirty six, thirty seven look like? Does it look like an Albert Pujols when he got older? Right. right. Does it or something that Colorado fans know? Doesn't look like Todd Helton right. when he got into his mid to late thirties, yeah. right? And yeah. these and it's it's injuries and age. These are the sorts of things that when you're making this kind of decision, they come up. Yeah, and 
looking and, and just kind of making it a cold it's a cold call i will agree it's it's cold it's calculating but it's just not something where i'd, I'd be i'd be comfortable rolling the dice with because look if he had that kind of season if he had that 16 sack year are you comfortable giving someone with his injury history who, who giving someone with that kind of injury history upwards of 80 to 90 million dollars guaranteed the thing is someone yeah. will that's someone will take advantage yep. of that and then and then if, if you've identified an edge rusher that you like in probably anywhere in the mid to late first round you can probably make you can probably make that deal and and then and then just go forward well mace let's talk yeah. about looking at the horizon mm-hmm. specifically edge rushers and we're starting a new series today on the podcast leading up to the draft where we're going to be looking at guys that could possibly be there at 64 for the Broncos because we're used to breaking down the draft, looking at the quarterbacks, looking at the big names because the Broncos have been looking at the big names. They've been looking at the quarterbacks with their top picks in the draft and now they don't have that anymore. So we want to break this down a different way. Every single day, we're going to be looking at a player that could be there at 64 and let's start today with a very fitting player. We're talking about an edge rusher. We're talking about a guy with an injury concern and no we're not talking about Bradley Chubb we're talking about David Ojabo from Michigan the edge rusher six foot four 215 pounds was viewed as a top 250 yeah what I say 215 oh yes 250 250. yes 250 uh about a month ago he was viewed as a top 10 pick in fact when the Broncos still had their pick at number nine we were talking about him potentially being their pick at nine he is extremely talented was very productive last year at Michigan and then on May on March 18th during his pro day he tore his Achilles and gut-wrenching for for everyone I mean everyone feels so bad for David Ojabo and really no one really knows where his value is right now like I said top 10 talent but with an Achilles injury he could maybe slide to 64. Well, there were there were already a couple of concerns on him that even at nine, I think if the Broncos had wanted him, I would have thought the value might be be better trading back. And one, uh, you know, beyond beyond the Achilles, one is that he worked opposite of Aiden Hutchinson, mm-hmm. so Hutchinson got a lot more attention from opposing blocking schemes. The potential number one overall pick, right? Exactly, and maybe even likely depending on who, on who you ask. The other thing, the other thing is, only w- really one year of college ball. He played. He only played one game in 2020. He was a red shirt in 2019. He's still learning how to play the game. He mm-hmm. did not grow up playing football. He, you know, he he was he was born in Nigeria. He what he spent a good part of his childhood in Scotland. He's still learning how to be a football player. Mm-hmm. So, because of of those things, he isn't. He's incredibly raw. And is probably going anyway. Was probably going to need a couple of years before you really saw everything that he had at the at, has at the pro at the pro level. And so, I think the risk reward ratio on David Ojabo would be great if he falls to sixty four, yep. because you can see you can see the speed, you can see the explosiveness that he that he possesses. But he does need a lot of work, and unfortunately, with that Achilles injury, a good chunk of his work as a rookie is going to be wiped out. And picking at sixty-four, you're not going to get the fourth, the fifth-year option because he's second-round pick. That being said, if he's there at sixty-four, 
I think the risk-reward ratio is perfect. You take him. This is a dream pick. If he's there at 64, this is perfect because all the things you mentioned, Mace, are actually fits the Broncos perfectly. Look, the Broncos aren't looking for an impact player necessarily. They're essentially picking a third-round pick at 64, a really good third-round pick since it's the final pick in the second round. What did the Broncos get last year in the third round? They got two guys very talented that they liked a lot, that showed a lot of potential at the end of the season. They were not day one starters mm -hmm. for the Broncos, and I think that's realistically how we can view this. And the Broncos don't have any major holes. George Payton did a fantastic job plugging every hole to an extent where we don't look at right tackle and we say there's a glaring need there. We don't look at safety now with Kareem back and say there's a major glare, that, major hole there inside line. We don't do that. Any position, they can start with the roster they have mm -hmm. right now. So if you get Ojabo, He's a guy that can sit for a year. He maybe even comes back before the end of the season uh, because of the Achilles could come back a little earlier. But you could sit him this, this entire season and then view him next year. You don't have a first-round pick next year. You can kind of treat him next year as your first-round pick. And then also that really eases any concerns with Randy Gregory's injury history, Bradley Chubb, and his future. And don't forget this. He, had the, he will arrive with the injury. So mm -hmm. effectively, it's what they call a non-football injury. Even though he had it at his pro day, it, he can go on the NFI list for the year. Yeah. So you sign him to a four-year, a standard four-year contract for a second-round pick. Well, that first year, even though he's paid, it doesn't count as a year of service time. Right. So what happens with Ojabo is he has the four-year contract but only three years of service time. And so effectively, you get that fifth-year option in the form of a restricted free agent tender right. that you can bring him back on. Yep, much and, cheaper. And I think that would be the wise play, even if he is close to ready in the second half of the season. I think if you have an edge-rushing complement that you're fine with and knowing that he really needs some coaching and teaching— I think you take this year, make it a pure red shirt year, get in the classroom, get him some individual work on the rehab field, and focus on him being ready to hopefully, if not start, be a quality rotational guy for you in 2023. I would absolutely love this pick. And mm -hmm. as Kale mentioned to me before we did this podcast, there's a what one reason why he may not be there at 64 is look what Cam Akers did last year. He yeah. tore his Achilles and then came back in record time to be a very big contributor for a Super Bowl team. That's how teams may view him by saying, okay, we're not going to take him in the top 10 anymore, but we're going to use a late first round pick on him. We're going to use an early second round pick on him because we may not even be writing him off for this season. So a team may capitalize on that, but man, if he slides to 64 for the Broncos, they should absolutely capitalize on a guy that is a freak pass rusher in everything we've seen he has a great combination of speed bend and agility and i just i, I would love this and something else mm. i love mace is doing this series and over at DraftKings sportsbook you can get in on where guys are going to be picked we're starting to see some rumors maybe trayvon walker is going to be picked number one overall you can get in on the odds of who's going to go number one overall but they have it all over at DraftKings sportsbook and one thing they have with nba playoffs rolling around 
they're going to give you $150 in free bets if you bet $5 on any team to win and they win. You'll get $150 free dollars in free bets. No better way to start your account than $150 in free bets for Nuggets and Avs playoffs time. So get in and head to the App Store now. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get this offer. You'll get those $150 in your account instantly after you place $5 and hit on one team to win. DraftKings is an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions supply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. Details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And speaking of this, Mace, I want to dive into our DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week because I saw something really good over at DraftKings Sportsbook, and I don't like to give this pick out, but the Clippers... They're playing in a play-in game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Clippers are hot right now, and they're underdogs. They're plus 125 to beat the Timberwolves. I like the Clippers as dogs in that game. So give me Clippers. Give me the juice at plus 125. That game is tomorrow night. Biggest game for the Timberwolves in in a few years, probably yeah. uh, probably since the last time they were in the postseason. But as far as a as an environment, it's going to be at home. Mm-hmm. They're going to have the crowd. Yep. But uh, Clippers have more talent. Yep. I'd say, with all respect to Carl uh, uh, Anthony Towns and friends up there, I'm going to do my usual emotional hedge. I've got the uh, the Washington Nationals against the Atlanta Braves. Now <laughs> there, right now, there isn't a line on the pictures in in this game. The Nationals are call are have. They're making a call up for a spot start, so I'm just going to take the money line here, straight up Nationals at 39 to 20. All right, all right, go. there we go. Should have taken the money line on on a uh, on a uh, on, for my emotional hedge on Carolina last week. <laughs> yes, you were. Uh, yeah. man, I'm sorry about that. That's okay. That's okay. You got second. It's okay. Someone, yeah, someone was coming at us on Twitter for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I yeah. Don't. There, there should be a disclaimer not to be used as the basis of an actual cash wager. <laughs> with well, my picks. Well, yeah. you get to give them. You get to give people that some intel that you think, mm-hmm. and they get to make the decisions. Yeah. But I mean, the Clippers' hot team right now. Five straight wins going into Minnesota, like you said. Minnesota three and three in their last six. So give mm-hmm. me the Clippers for my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week. All right, Mace, let's get into the comment section and talk to the people. And we do have a super chat, and it's for you, Mace. It's coming in from Court. He says, Mace, can you please explain the 75 thing? Okay. Steve Atwater, Hall of Famer. Mm. Steve Atwater was the executive producer of a movie that is called Dead Tone, but but its original name when released was 75. It was a slasher flick, and the whole thing was started with a game called 75 where you call somebody and you have to keep them on the line for 75 seconds. Well, of course, in this film, they call the wrong somebody. They end up doing a call trace. Next thing you know, death and mayhem ensues. But there's wow. one point where, you know, they're, they're these kids. They played 75 as a kid and then they're as, as children. And then they grow up and they're at kind of a, a college frat party kind of thing. And, uh, one says, I, I got a better game, and you hear this dramatic music. He slams a speakerphone down and says, 75! <laughs> Just like that. And that's why I say it that way. And when you started saying that, didn't it make uh, Steve cringe? Oh, yes. <laughs> I think it's probably not start so saying So every that. time the Any number time came up on, on an old radio show I did with Steve and Ryan Edwards uh, that was uh, on the old Orange and Blue 760. So if I'd say 75%, I would, and they've got a... 
75% chance of winning it. So <laughs> There we go. Yeah. Now you know the full story. Yeah. And it ties in with the Broncos because of Steve. Exactly. I mean, he not only was Steve an executive producer of, of the movie, Ray Crockett is in the movie. Mm, extra Broncos connections. He plays, an he plays a police investigator. A police investigator who actually knows what he's doing, unlike the star of the film, the late Rutger Hauer, who... Uh, doesn't have gloves on and touches in the the crime scene has a blood has there's blood on the doorknob and he just touches the blood-stained doorknob when he leaves the room oh boy yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a professional <laughs> yeah, great great, great uh, police work there well mace let's hop into the comment section on the website and if you want to get your comments read on the podcast go to thednvr.com go to the podcast tab at the top of the screen click on broncos podcast the first podcast that pops up is going to be our most recent click on that Scroll to the bottom, leave your comment there where the comment section pops up when you're a member, and we will get to it on the next day's podcast. And first one coming in from our friend Samuel B. Sue. He says, hey, guys, and he's responding to something he said last year about this is the most excited he's been since the 97 season. And we said, wait, wait, wait. Why were you more excited? Why weren't you excited for the Peyton Manning years as much as you were the 97 mm -hmm. season? And here's his answer. He says, Hey, guys, I love the Manning years. Peyton is a guy I loved watching play even when he was destroying the Broncos. It was a dream come true having him in Denver. I was very excited before the 2013 season, but I don't know why my mind went directly to the offseason right after the first Super Bowl win. The expectations that season were Super Bowl or bust or even going undefeated. Maybe this six-year drought is why I think I'm more excited now. On top of that, we have DNVR in the DNVR community now, and I can't wait to share a bunch of winning seasons with you all. Wow. I mean, that's the best answer. I could have imagined, Samuel. Thank you so much. He says, one question. In my opinion, defensive line is one of the biggest needs for the Broncos to address in the draft. I haven't heard much talk about defensive line. Am I wrong? Do you think Ajim takes a step forward this year? I hope so. I, I'd i like to see him play more. Me too. And I'm not sure that he is. A, in fact, I don't think he's a worse solution than uh, anyone in the draft or anyone that's that's still out there right now in terms of someone who can maybe even start or at least play play an awful lot more. Maybe uh, there's a chance that he could take, again, I'm not saying it's likely, there's a chance he could take that Malik Jackson kind of leap year three. So I, I'd, I'd be, I'm, I'm fine with him getting a lot of work. I agree. And last training camp, he was a beast. Yeah. Uh, showed a lot. I was surprised he didn't get a lot of work in. And if the Broncos don't go defensive line, really with that 64 overall pick, mm -hmm. you got to imagine that he has a huge opportunity here. Maybe even an opportunity to pass up Mike Purcell if Mike Purcell still can't be available. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And then he finishes up and says, thanks for the great coverage and great articles you write on the website. For all the people listening who are not subscribers, I can guarantee it's well worth it. Yes, when you join us, not only do you get to leave comments on the website uh, for the pod, but you also get to read all of our, our all of our articles and coverage, not just of the Broncos, but of the Avs, Rockies, uh, Rams, Buffs, Nuggets, Avs. You get it all over at thednvr.com. Yep. Moving on from Schweed. Hey, Kings. Just want to, run, want to run a scenario by you. What do you guys think the trajectory of the Broncos franchise is if they won Super Bowl 48? Would they ever get a Keeb, TJ, or DeMarcus? Would John Fox still be the head coach? Just was thinking about this today and wanted to get your thoughts. Man, it is a fantastic question. 
Uh, I think John Fox does not get fired the following season. I think he is still the coach. I think uh, things that started falling apart in that 2014 season <laughs> probably wouldn't have started falling apart after a Super Bowl win. And it's really interesting about Akib, TJ, and Demarcus. It is. Um, I think at least one or two of them still would have come. I think so, too. Because the Broncos had the cap space. And I think I, th- I think they, they would have – they had Champ Bailey getting older, right? I think you, I think Aqib Tlaib definitely would have come. Okay. Um, because the same thing would have happened with DRC. DRC would have said, I want this amount of money, and right. the Broncos would have said, no, we're going to pay that to Aqib instead. Right. TJ or DeMarcus is interesting. Mm. Wow. You know what? I know there was more urgency – at that after the Super Bowl, but I th- I think maybe even Demarcus would have come too. I think Demarcus would have wanted to play for Von Miller and play with Von Miller, not for Von Miller, and put and get it and have a chance to get a ring, because Dallas would have cut him anyway, right? Yep. Demarcus would have wanted to go somewhere to get to get the big ring, and Denver coming off a title, Peyton Manning still going for another year. I think he would have looked at that and said, yeah. I'd love to be there. Yeah, you, you make you actually make the argument that the Broncos would have been more attractive to right. free agents. Maybe they would have got a, a bit of a discount on guys like Akeem, TJ, and Demarcus. Even though Demarcus mm-hmm. was a really good deal, anyways. Uh, but it is a really good question about John Fox. What do you think, Mace? I think John Fox would have lasted a few more years and eventually been consumed by the quarterback chaos <laughs> of post Peyton Manning. I do think, though, that, for example, I think the 2017 season wouldn't have been as bad. Mm. With and, Vance's first year? Yeah, I think I think Fox would have babied that team to about a 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight type finish. But then if they didn't, if they continue to, to flounder at the quarterback position, it would, the bottom would have dropped out and he would have been fired after the 2018 season. And you got to think just with the great job Gary Kubiak did in 2015 mm-hmm. of managing uh, a struggling Peyton Manning and how having to balance that, it's really hard to say that any other coach would have been able to replicate that. So maybe they get 2013, but they don't get 2015. I think that's a, that's a fair point, and I, and I think that would have been what happened. They wouldn't have won it all in 2015. Man, and then there's no Gary Kubiak ever as the head coach, and then he doesn't have his legacy of being with the team for all three Super Bowls. Maybe wow. Peyton Manning tries to come back for one more year in 2016 saying, I want to go out a different way instead because he wouldn't have been able to go out on top. Right, right. right. I mean, you've, you, you've altered. It's a hell of an alternate history. It is, um, and all it is is one game difference. One, I'll tell you one thing, though. We know how John Fox was not happy with the Mitchell Trubisky pick in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. And that hastened his demise mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Uh, how would he have felt about a Paxton Lynch pick in 2016 if they'd still gone in that direction? (laughs) Probably not very happy. Probably not happy at all. (laughs) No, not at all. But there's another thing to kind of consider here. He loved Deshaun Watson in 2017. Oh, my goodness. So what if the Broncos in 2017, they're making trades up to try to get Deshaun Watson? Now, we know what's happened, obviously, in the last that's come up come to light over the last 15 months but i mean who knows in terms of talent man that would have been insane you go from peyton to deshaun watson 
yeah. then people are, are looking at you and saying, man, you're you're going to be like the uh, Green Bay Packers where you just go from one great to another. But then think of the co- the podcast conversations we're having right now. Uh, it's very true. Uh, yeah, lap for a year now. Yeah, that's uh, also very true. Yeah. Ozzy Dan says, good day, boys. Listening to some draft pods over the weekend, and quite a few people mentioned the Broncos need a wide receiver. While I understand Hamler hasn't been reliable injury-wise, to me the room seems stacked with three other A grades in Sutton, Patrick, and Judy. There are only so many receivers that can be used on the field at once, and it already seems snaps are going to be need to be shared. I cannot see the logic behind using a draft pick when there are more pressing areas of need. Take a flyer on an undrafted rookie wide receiver for depth. What are your thoughts, Ozzy Dan? I'll tell you, there was something interesting that... Um that I saw in that I saw in the athletic it was one of Mike Sando's pieces and of course he tends to do the the pieces that are uh, that that talk to the um like the anonymous uh, executives right okay and the an anonymous executive did not speak highly of the Broncos at wide receiver um, really? I'm, yeah, I'm actually, if you just give me a moment here, I can find the exact quote for And you. so when, when you're pulling that up, Mace, to me this says if the Broncos have a need at wide receiver, it's because they're trading one of their top three guys, and they're not trading Tim Patrick, mm-hmm. and they're not trading Cortland Sutton, so they would be trading Jerry Judy. If that happens, then sure, you, you could say that there's a need, but even then, there's not a major, major need. Yeah, here's the quote from one NFL executive. Quote, careful what you wish for, Russell. Who takes the top off coverage in Denver with their long stride speed? Tim Patrick was a special teams player who made himself into a receiver. Cortland Sutton doesn't run quite the same after his injury, at least from what I saw. Jerry Judy is small-bodied, unquote. Of course, they don't talk about K.J. Hamler. But again, he's got to prove he's available first. And so what this guy is saying is George Payton made a mistake paying Cortland Sutton $15 million. George yeah. Payton made a mistake paying Tim yeah. Patrick over $11 million. And the Broncos made a mistake by drafting, according to him, small body Jerry Judy in the first round. Yeah. It's he just they, that executive views the team very differently yes. than we do in Denver. And if he ends up being right, Mace, the Broncos, I don't want to say they're in a lot of trouble, mm-hmm. but man, that's that's going to be tough for, for them to overcome yeah. because they're committed to Jerry Ju- or they're committed to, to Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton for at least two more seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- Cortland, I think, closer to three. And they're committed to Jerry Judy. They are. And I think it's interesting to hear kind of contrasting viewpoints <laughs> because obviously in Denver it's all sunshine and rainbows and, <laughs> and, and flowers and all that. Uh, and this is not about the receiver, but another okay. quote from that article from another executive. Quote, Wilson is a good player on the offense he's about to play and it's going to be really good for him. But he needs a run game. He needs a defense. Everybody keeps talking about all this defensive talent on Denver, but Vic Fangio isn't walking through that door. They signed Randy Gregory, who just had shoulder surgery and has been a part-time player. They are not elite defensively, so I think more falls on the quarterback, unquote. Completely agree. I I don't think the Broncos are elite on defense, and that's something we've talked about, how the Broncos are no longer winning with elite defense Mm -hmm. coupled with a good enough offense. No, 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 no. The tides have completely turned here. This is an offensive-led team that should absolutely be a top-10 offense, pushing for a top-five offense at some point in the season. And this defense, with the talent they have, you want to see them be an above-average defense. But Mace, if they're an average defense, it's going to be on this offense to be closer to top-five to get them to the playoffs and competing in the division than being closer to, like, a top-12 offense. First-time defensive coordinator as well. And I think it's interesting to consider that because when we look at – 
when we look at a lot of the really good defenses over the years, seems like a lot of them have veterans running it. I mean, even the Rams have Raheem Morris, had Raheem Morris last year, and before that they had Wade Phillips, mm-hmm. right? Raheem Morris has been a head coach. He's been around the block a couple of times. Def- defensive coordinator seems to be a job where experience is a benefit. That, And that's probably why Vic Fangio, when he eventually, he's probably going to settle and be a, be a very good defensive coordinator once again mm-hmm. at, when, he, uh, when he takes another coordinator's job at some point. And Ejiro Evero, we just don't know what he's going to be yet. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's a good point. He's learning you, on the job. Yeah, you do expect some learning curves, and where you don't expect very many learning curves is from a guy that is on the offensive side of the ball that touches the ball every single play, who's a nine-time pro bowler, uh, and that's a guy that you don't expect too many. Now, there are going to be learning curves to it because it's a new team, a new offense, mm-hmm. but that's where you expect fewer mistakes than on the defensive side. Yep. And, and finally, finally may, Melbourne yes. Bronco. My boys! Been sidetracked lately with some renovation dramas now trying to catch up on the podcast. What I've learned is we don't need Melvin. We're an air offense. Javante will be fine with Boone as backup. Peyton is a genius. Signing Patrick and Sutton earlier was brilliant. Trading for early 2023 picks is a priority. Trusting George, Shears, and Let's Ride. Although, as we just discussed, not everyone (laughs) believes that signing those receivers was brilliant. Yeah, pretty funny timing on that Mm -hmm. one. I I enjoy that. And Melbourne Bronco, we're really happy that you're back and caught up and rolling with us. And like we talked about on Friday, it looks like Melvin Gordon to the Ravens was gaining some steam. Has not happened officially. Mm -hmm. So there's a chance the Broncos still get him back, but it does look like we're looking at Javante being really the guy and then whatever crew they have back behind him, whether it's Melvin or Mike Boone or a day two guy or a day three guy. And we're going to be here to break down all the guys that you need to know about. And I can't wait to continue our series, Mace, talking about uh, all of these guys that the Broncos may have there in the second round. And thank you all so much for tuning in today. We really appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to be going early, 10 a.m., because the Broncos have their first media availability when we were typically be doing the pod so tune in at 10 a.m tomorrow and of course the podcast is going to drop just like it always does thank you all so much for the support we will see you tomorrow on the dnvr broncos podcast roll out the truck and took a country drive now understand that you need some Flying cotton would stick to 